Hey everyone, welcome to the Protect Life podcast. This is our opportunity to empower sales reps to train themselves on the most important topics facing our customers today. We'd love to get the Axon network more comfortable with the idea of VR. We're breaking into some new markets, new training solutions, new hardware, new software, all across the business. And so we wanted to take an opportunity to discuss some of the things we're doing on the VR training team. What up? Yo, how's it going? <laughs> Dude, I am straight chilling. I got a beer in hand. I got a bourbon in the other. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining me. I think that we should yeah. uh, we should have a quick conversation. Uh, what do you think artificial intelligence will mean for law enforcement? In the next 10 years. Oh, man. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to get another beer. Hold on. I mean, not hold yeah. on. I'm bringing the podcast, but the video will stay. <laughs> right on. Oh, man. You're, you're not giving me it. Start me off with a softball. Ah, I would I would disagree. I'm pretty sure we just did a five and a half minute test episode that was a softball, but we can disagree. That was tough for Wow. <laughs> At least give me a little transition here before you start throwing the curves. Softball, um, curveball. Do you need a glove? What's wrong? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I think the obvious answer is automation and, and especially when it comes to reporting and um, redaction. Um, obviously, Axon's getting involved with those pretty heavily, so they see the value in it there. But um, I think that's just kind of neat, like just society in general. I think there's going to be a lot of um, more improvements in that regard. You see, kind of supercomputers and AI, like things like Watson, IBM Watson, and how that can improve a lot of businesses. I think as long as law enforcement continues to ride the wave of technology, which I think they're now just starting to get behind the last five or so years, um, I think a lot of good things will come for them and just make their lives a lot easier and do the jobs that they actually are supposed to be doing and want to do, which is you know, engage and protect the uh, the community they're serving. So, um, yeah, I think it'll just free up a lot of their time um, that they currently are spending doing mundane tasks. So I think it's all good things. I like what you said there about automation. Automation is something that, for some reason, when we first started talking about it, I thought of it as like a business-centric process. But the more I learn about police agencies, the more they're kind of like a business in that there's funding, there's things that have to happen, there's a lot of policy, there's a lot of follow-up and reaching out, and a lot of what we're discussing, like branching for every thing that happens, there's 10 things that have to happen after it. So automation for sure, how, how will they evolve? If you're spending less time writing reports, right? Like our goal is to knock out the two thirds of a day that an officer spends writing reports, what are they doing with those two thirds? That's a good question. Um, and I'm probably not the kind of person to be asking, but I don't want to assume what they typically do or what, yeah. what they would do alternatively. But I think just the obvious is just being out on the streets more. And I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, benefits and a lot of um, papers and research that are done that show the benefits of um, having a police presence that's more of a community presence. Um, so, you know, having a local beat cop that you see and get to know on a personal level um, 
has a lot of benefits to the community and their relations with policing. And there's a lot of cities right now, especially in California, that are trying to um, readopt that model. Obviously, the problems there are restrictions right now. It's just the time and resources and money it takes to have people be able to do kind of more traditional beats. Um, so hopefully with automation and freeing up officers' times, uh, they'll be able to do those kinds of things and it'll benefit the community. So hopefully that that's a uh, positive that comes out of it for sure. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, what happens if marijuana becomes legalized? What happens to all the people in jail? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, that's obviously a very hot topic um, on a state level, but also obviously a national level. Bernie Sanders ran his campaign. One of those one of his points was decriminalizing marijuana and actually uh, releasing people in jail for those low level offenses, drug offenses related to marijuana. So I don't know if that if and when it becomes federal law that it's no longer illegal um if something like that would happen i personally would like to see that happen um both the decriminalization of it and releasing uh people who are in jail because of that um so we'll see uh it seems like there's a lot of momentum gaining just on the state level so i think it's only a matter of time before that becomes nationwide so mia where do you see axon's biggest rooms for opportunity within your law enforcement or public safety in general yeah i think what we were discussing before about automation more specifically i think building like a software suite that actually supports everything that an agency does is really cool and important and impactful i think the most the largest or like craziest, I guess, most out there opportunity we have is to go a step further than that and build the stuff that people haven't thought of needing before. And I, I really hope that includes like somehow like a unified foster care system or, you know, we discussed the thesis about how those kids just get separated from their families and due to poor record keeping, they never find them again. Like I think creating systems, like I don't know if RMS is the answer I don't know enough about it but like creating systems that are workflows for all of life would probably be like the, the next biggest step we could take is is solving problems that like haven't necessarily been on the agenda to solve before just because we're still dealing with so many day-to-day things like shootings and just petty crime grand larceny I don't know all of the conversations around mental health are so interesting because you think about the people who are trained and go to school for to learn about mental health conditions are those physicians and psychiatrists and and you know academics that are away probably from the people who are having breaks or you know going through episodes or psychosis or something like that so it's just a really interesting conversation to see like how law enforcement serves as that in-between layer in almost in so many situations like so many so many situations my uh my grandma was really excited for me to be on this vr team when i started talking first she was like are you saying dr and i'm like no it's like v- vr like virtual reality she's like oh yeah i definitely know what that is i'm like i bet you do mm-hmm. uh <laughs> um but 
she was saying she has had so she has four kids my uncle one of my uncles is uh mentally ill and has suffered from bipolar disorder since he was like 19 and he's had a number of manic episodes where he leaves the house without his phone or keys or wallet or shoes and no sense of who he is or where he is or what he's doing or where he's going and he just will like take off and there's been a couple instances where she like has had to call the police or she's had to either call the police or decide not to and fear that like the altercation could go south because she has no idea how he's acting like you're not you're not around him but you know that he's not in his right sense like really who do you call for help and she commends the state of Arizona and uh, the city of Mesa specifically for really building out that crisis functionality, like for their team, they have mental health professionals on hand and they do have like a, a really good response now. But I mean, even going back to like 20 years ago when she was dealing with this for the first time, it's just crazy. They understand that like these conversations weren't being had and it, it's these individuals that are deciding whether or not to call the police um or 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 who else do you call you know like police are who you call for help so at the end of the day it's like such a necessary service but um you know they're not always given all of the tools yeah for sure yeah there was two things that you said one was about mesa i know that me and laura were in a meeting i don't know how many months i guess two months ago we're with a local autism foundation or nonprofit, and um I guess they work in or with the city of Mesa and I guess they're like the first or only city to be certified or to actually recognize as like autism friendly, something like that. Wow. Um, so they have like a ton of businesses and, and basically support those individuals on a uh, community level, which is great to see. And then when you're saying people just call police for basically anything, I saw a video on Twitter, Instagram the other day of Pavelina. Oh, it's on Slack of Pavelina's outside uh, a food truck or a food store somewhere and somebody's like who do we call the spca the police like how do we get these things and it's like it's wild pigs like i don't but but people just like they don't know what to do so they say okay spca which is not gonna be right or the police and what are the police gonna do right to get a wild pack of pavelinas away from the storefront i don't know but yeah, that's, it's just when people when people don't know who to go to, they just call the police on anything like that. So it's 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 definitely a difficult position to constantly ask people to go in on things that nobody else knows how to do or what to do, and ha- expect them to be always right and have the answers. So it's it's definitely a challenge for sure. I wonder if because <laughs> you mentioned the Havelinos is very funny during my ride along with Scottsdale PD earlier this year, I. Uh, we were headed to a call for goose in the road. <laughs> Welcome to Arizona, where like people just see wildlife and have no idea what the heck to do. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it is. It's pretty funny. It's. It makes me wonder. We're talking about these software solutions. Like, one day does a dispatch software, you know, kind of rank issues based on known outcomes. Like, okay, calling for goose. Like, how many times out of the last thousand has this? has this ended in loss of life and then Mm -hmm. like a a robbery at a cvs or like a you know mentally ill person stealing a car i don't know i don't want to generalize but i i just think it's so interesting like you're right like every time somebody calls it it takes up uh you know someone responding to that so how do we start to measure and and quantify the responses that that we as a community 
or them as an agency or stakeholders in general, you know, define as like the real problems. Like, I think that's, that's very interesting, which I don't, I don't think we're able to have that conversation without data, like for real. I don't, I don't know how we would start that without saying like, okay, like this is the volume of calls that you get. Here's the subject matter. This is, you know, and then you start, then you start talking about data privacy and you're like, okay, you, if you provide a heat map for crime, what are you saying about that area you know mm-hmm. and and is this a one-off is this like a you know there's a factory in the area that laid off a bunch of people we were having that discussion about uh an individual in orlando florida losing his job from a theme park sleeping in his car and not able to support his family like are there are there times when people are not trying to break the law necessarily um but they're you know written up as a citation and then that counts as crime it's interesting yeah and with the heat map stuff i looked a little bit into that with my thesis and it's interesting because it's almost like a catch-22 right like it's almost like the does the crime produce the heat map or does the fact that police are always monitoring that era area produce like the high density and high crime rates so it's like, what is it that the chicken lays the egg, right? Like what, what's the actual problem and solution? And is that, is it almost exacerbating the problem that there's so much police presence in those areas and that you're starting to predict and put more units out there? Um, so yeah, it's interesting. All this stuff is like, how do people interpret and use data? Because the one thing that data scientists always say is that data is objective, but how you interpret it is always, there's always going to be bias. So it's just being mindful of that and trying to, reduce that as much as possible it's the same conversation we have about implicit biases everybody everybody has their biases and it's just a matter of being mindful of it and trying to minimize or or reduce that as much as possible so it's cool you you get those people too that are probably you know i don't want to call it a trend but there was the the outing of all of these grown-ups calling the police on african-american kids just for being around and like having a lemonade stand being outside of a a a storefront like those those types of people that just call the police at a goose's notice to (laughs) are are just are i don't it's hard to quant like it's hard to bring that data set in too, you know, like who right. are the people calling the police? Like at the same time, the police don't get called in a consistent ratio to crime, you know, like right. there's for sure times when police aren't being called and there's hella crimes going on. You know, if you think about like a, a party in a wealthy neighborhood that has drugs at it, you know, like, is that different than another party in a poorer part of town that has drugs at it, you know, but police are outside of one and ready to take action because of, because of history, because of data, because of personal experience, like, who knows? It's very interesting. Yeah. No, it's no, there's no easy answer to it, but I agree. I think data and AI and automation and all this stuff that we've been talking about can definitely start to, hopefully reveal trends and like just make policing smarter. I think that's just the biggest thing so that their jobs can hopefully become easier and communities safer and more engaged with the police. So. I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, there's, I want to, I want to pause here at this 17 minute mark. And then I want to try one more with you if you're down. Yeah. Let's okay, do it. Sweet. Peace.